0: Good morning, Church. Um, This morning, I'll be reading from um, Luke, chapter 23, verse 26 to 31. Um, But first, let us pray. Um, Dear God, thank you for bringing us here on Good Friday morning. I pray that you help me to um, read your word with clarity and um, for Dave to preach your word faithfully later on. Um, pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Um, Luke, chapter 23, verse 26. As the soldiers led him away, they seized Simon from Cyrene, who was on his way in from the country, and put the cross on him and made him carry it behind Jesus. A large number of people followed him, including women who mourned and wailed for him. Jesus turned and said to them, Daughters of Jerusalem, do not weep for me. Weep for yourselves and for your children. For the time will come when you will say, Blessed are the childless women the wombs that never bore, and the breasts that never nursed. Then they will say to the mountains, Fall on us, and to the hills, cover us. For if people do these things when the tree is green, what will happen when it is dry? This is the word of God.
1: Good morning. Uh, how could I get it so wrong? Many years ago, my uh, girlfriend, uh, now wife, she was uh, heading overseas. Uh, She was spending six weeks uh, working in an orphanage in uh, Vietnam. But before she left, she had one of the most busiest, busiest periods ever. A really stressful period. She had seven exams. She had uh, had assignments due. She had lots of things to organise, a suitcase to pack before she went. Uh, And she was going to be sad to leave me, her boyfriend. And so I thought to myself... It's been so busy. It's been so stressful. I know what I'll do. I'll organize a massage. She can kick back. She can relax. She can de stress and enjoy the, the being pampered. And so I met Emily the, the day after her last exam, the day before she left. She was leaving in 12 hours. And I gave her her surprise, and her jaw dropped. But not in a good way, in a bad way. How could I get it so wrong? A massage was the very last thing in the world she wanted. She wanted a massage. She was leaving in 12 hours. She wanted to hang out with me. She, She had a suitcase to pack. She had thousands of things that she had to do. I'd got it so wrong. She just wanted to spend her remaining hours with me. And as we live life, we can do things with good intentions and good motives, but we can actually get things wrong. And so I do wonder, as we celebrate Easter, Good Friday today, this morning, whether we've got it wrong too. We may not think that Easter is all about chocolate, uh, but we may not understand the significance of, of Jesus' death and what it means for us today, and in fact, every single day of our lives and so as I've, prepared, as, as I've prepared and prayed for this week, uh, prepared for today, I'm afraid I, I that as we look at this passage today that we wouldn't actually get it wrong, but would listen and respond well to the warning that Jesus gives us here and that it would shape us every single day of our lives. Well, Jesus is on his way to the cross. But before that, Jesus has done the most incredible things The blind have received sight, the deaf hear, the lame they leap for joy. Jesus has been doing the most incredible things. And he's been saying some pretty incredible things too. Things that match the things that he's been doing, that he is the Son of God, the Son of Man, God Himself, who became flesh and dwelled among us. And he did and said things that only God himself could do and say. And while the crowds love the things that Jesus has been doing, well, the Jewish leaders hate the things that Jesus has been saying. And so they want to kill him. And have been seeking a way to kill him for quite a while, but they finally get their chance and they seize Jesus They imprison him, they take him to the Roman official, Pilate. And even though Pilate can see that he's innocent, he gives in to the crowd and he orders Jesus to be crucified. And so Jesus is on his way to the cross to die the most horrific death of all, the gruesome death humiliating public Roman execution of being nailed to a cross, a death that was reserved for the most hardened of hardest criminals. And as Jesus heads to the cross, we'll notice a couple of people that he, uh, Jesus interacts with. And so have a look there in, uh, from verse uh, 26, and we'll meet a couple of people there. Uh, as the soldiers led him away, they seized Simon from Cyrene, Who was on his way in from the country and put the cross on him and made him carry it behind Jesus. A large number of people followed him, including women who mourned and wailed for him. The first person we see there is Simon, who is conscripted, he's forced by the Romans to carry the cross, uh, to help Jesus carry his cross. Uh, it, and it was custom at that time that as people were were heading towards crucifixion, that they would have to carry their cross beam. That they were required to carry that beam from to the to the site. But Jesus is so exhausted. He's smashed from the beating and blood loss that he would have received leading up to this moment. And so he suffered a lot leading up to... The, and so he's exhausted and isn't able to carry his cross. And so Simon is, is forced, forced to help him carry his cross to the crucifixion site. And just, just on a side note, the fact that we get this level of detail about Simon being from Cyrene really shows us that, that this is a guy that was known to the early Christians of the, of the time. And it really gives us great validity and confidence that what we have here is, is true and confirms the events that have kind of happened. See, Simon was well known. He, he saw the events. He saw that Jesus died on the cross and was crucified and rose again And so he could be approached. We don't get that kind of detail unless, unless it's necessary. This, this detail gives us great confidence that what we read is true. Well, first is Simon, and the second group we see is that this large crowd of people, including women, that they are following Jesus. As Jesus does his thing everywhere he goes, the crowds will follow. But what's interesting is that Jesus singles out the women here. The women are mourning and and wailing, they're crying out loud, they are sad and full of great grief and sorrow about what's happening to Jesus. And while it was a custom of the time for people to to mourn and wail like this, there does seem to be real sadness among them. You see, they are sad. And they they regret what is happening to Jesus. Jesus had done so much good. He had helped so many people, healed so many people, and yet was heading to death to die the most horrific death of all. Imagine even. But here's the thing. This is what's really incredible about what Jesus says to these women. Jesus explains that their mourning is misdirected. They have got it all wrong. Have a look there from verse 28, where Jesus says, Daughters of Jerusalem, do not weep for me. Weep for yourselves and for your children. You what? Don't wait for me. Wait for yourselves. But you're the one Jesus is about to go die on the cross. Jesus, what are you talking about? But here's the thing: Jesus is suffering, as grueling as and as horrific as it will be. It will end soon, and the cross is not the end for Jesus. So we celebrate on Sunday, we're back here on Sunday as we celebrate that Jesus is is raised in glory. Death is not the end. Glory and exaltation, fame and honour is Jesus, not just death. And so as Jesus tells these women, in in quite a tender and loving way, daughters of Jerusalem, he explains that the suffering and death is nothing compared to the judgment that is to come. And it's the idea of judgment, I think, as we look at the opening words from verse 29, have a look there, where it says, for the time will come. Other translations, I think, helpfully put, the days are coming. And I think that's clearer because the word days, or day, is really shorthand for judgment, the day of judgment, the final judgment, when God will judge all wickedness and evil, a day when God's righteous and just wrath and and anger will be revealed for all wrongdoing a day when all wrongs will be righted a day of great justice Jesus explains that that day is coming and it will be awful so don't wait for me weep for yourselves Jesus tells the daughters of Jerusalem to reverse their mourning They've got it all wrong. And he does so using three kind of illustrations, three examples of why this judgment to come will be so much worse than him dying horrifically on the cross. And the first one there is in verse 29. Have a look there, verse 29. For the time will come when you will say, Blessed are the childless women, the wounds that never bore, and the breasts that never nursed. The day of judgment will be so bad, the women who don't have children will be considered fortunate. Because they'll only have to worry about themselves, not their family and children as well. This picture we're given is a reverse of the normal. Back then it was considered a wonderful blessing to be able to have children. And unfortunate if, if someone couldn't. And and this is such a sensitive issue today. The pain and hurt and and feelings of of rejection when people are unable to have children is is crushing and very real and present today. It is a sad and, and awful, challenging thing for people to go through. And yet with Jesus on his way to the cross, he says that the judgment to come you would be better off if you had no children. When one of my kids was sick uh, recently, um, they needed an ambulance because they turned blue and were struggling to breathe. And so we went to hospital and the pain and agony I felt as I sat with this child was, was awful. It's a pain that really I, only I would have for, for my child. The doctor treating them won't, won't be affected in the same way. But that pain and experience is something I felt as a parent. In this day of judgment, we can infer that the pain would be awful, so bad that it would be better not to have children at all. Jesus says that day of judgment will be so bad that the normal categories of of blessing and cursing will be reversed because that pain will be so great. Well, the second image that Jesus uses is in verse uh, 30. Have a look there. Then they will say to the mountains, fall on us, and to the hills, cover us. Isn't that a strange image? People calling out to the mountains and hills, cover us, cover us. But you see, this is a a quote from the Old Testament, uh, written hundreds of years before Jesus, uh, from the book of Hosea, uh, where At that time, God's people were doing the wrong thing. They had rejected God and and were worshipping other gods. And so God was angry at them that they rebelled against him. And he was going to judge his people for their wrongdoing. And their judgment would be so bad that they would want a quick death, that they would be covered by the mountains and hills, that it could end quickly. Because being covered by the, by the mountains, I mean, maybe they could hide away from God's wrath, God's anger, uh, even though they've known they've been doing the wrong thing. And, and as Jesus quotes this, he has the same kind of idea in mind. The days are coming when God's wrath will be revealed. Judgment will be so bad that people would want to escape it as quick as they can by, by calling out to the mountains to cover them. Landslides are awful, awful things. When the land moves and the, and, and crumbles down a hill or a mountain uh, and people are trapped and, and killed. There was a landslide in Indonesia last year that killed over 2,000 people. It's awful. And there was one in Australia 20 years ago, nowhere nowhere near as big as that, but it was in Australia where at Threadbow, at the snowfields where... Uh, one person, uh, all but one person died, Stewart Diver. And he was trapped, trapped for 65 hours in this rubble. Landslides are truly awful things. And yet Jesus says that the time comes, when judgment comes, it will be so bad that people would rather die a quick death by landsliding over them, that the mountains would uh, cover them, seeking a quick death, knowing that they are guilty rather than facing God's righteous and fair judgment. And the third image that we see Jesus give is in verse 31. Have a look there. For if people do these things when the tree is green, what will happen when it is dry? The people uh, who do these things that we see at the start of that verse refers to those people who have passed judgment on Jesus, who have falsely trialed and accused Jesus even though he was innocent. And it includes everyone who rejects him, the Jewish leaders at, at the time but also the people who rejected him then. Uh, the Roman officials who who passed judgment on Jesus and ordered him, sentenced him to be crucified. And so if Jesus could be crucified despite being innocent, and if that's the way they treat God himself in the person of Jesus, how much worse will the judgment be for them? I wonder if you've ever uh, started a fire before, whether in a fireplace or, or out camping, The more dry wood you have, the better. It will light easily, it burns well. But green wood, on the other hand, is awful. It's the worst type of wood. You don't want green wood. Uh, uh, It's difficult to light, a wind can blow, and it goes out straight away. It doesn't burn well. And worst of all, worst of all, is that it produces so much smoke that it's not a fire you want to be around. Green wood is hard to burn and not good for the fire. This image shows us that Jesus is the green tree, the green wood. You see, the Jewish leaders, they've sought to kill Jesus, and they've worked at it for a long time. They've wanted him dead for a number of years, and even though it took a lot of work, they succeeded. Jesus, the green tree, burnt. He will be and was crucified on the cross and died. But you see, the consequence of their actions, the judgment they receive for this evil, evil act will be swift and quick. They will burn quick and easy. There will be no escape for this dry wood. As Jesus heads to the cross, he speaks to these women, to the daughters of Jerusalem, And he warns all, really, all of us, that judgment is real and awful and that we don't want to be found on the wrong side of it. He tells us this to warn us, to warn us of this reality so that we can be prepared for it and so that we won't get it wrong. It's kind of like these signs that we might see at the beach. Don't swim here There could be sharks. Now it's up to us what we want to do with this sign. We can ignore the sign and and swim anyway and risk the peril of, of being killed by the sharks. Or we could read the sign with thankfulness, knowing that it's been put there in love and care to protect us. It's a sign of love, warning us, lovingly warning us of the dangers that lurk below. And as Jesus heads to the cross, he lovingly warns us of the judgment to come, warning us of the, of the dangers of how bad it will be so that we don't have to face it. He doesn't want us to get it wrong and face God's judgment. But as Jesus heads uh, to the cross, this is what makes this day such a good day, good Friday, when we celebrate the death of our Lord Jesus. And it is good news because it is the only way that people like me, people like you, any person can be made right with God. You see, the reality is that the Jewish leaders and Pilate and the people of that time they are guilty before God for wrongly trialing and crucifying Jesus. But the truth be known, it's it's the same for us when we reject Jesus as God's appointed King, when we reject God as a rightful ruler in our lives, when we reject God as a rightful ruler of his good creation. And the thing is we all fall into this category. The judgment we've seen that Jesus warns us of uh, is what each one of us deserve. You see, on that day, we will be treated fairly for the way that we have acted towards God. But I said this was a good day. And it is a good day because of what Jesus has done. You see, despite the fact that we have... Uh, even though we have been dead to God, we have rejected God, we have hated God, rebelled against God, don't want to have anything to do with God, Jesus, who has always done what is right and true, he died on the cross in our place. He took the punishment that we deserve. You see, he substituted himself in and us out. He took our place. He died our death. And he did that so that he would rescue us. He died to rescue us. And Jesus' death is not the end. We celebrate on Sunday that Jesus, he rose to life, giving us life too, if we would but trust him. Jesus doesn't do this for us, to to die and to save us, because we have done anything good. Because we have not done enough good. Because we might have done enough good to outweigh the bad we've done. Because the reality is we could never ever do enough good to be made right with God. But you see, Jesus has. And he can. And what Jesus has, life, he will give that to us too. As a free gift. It is not earned. It's not deserved. Well, we just deserve judgement. But it is a gift. A gift. A free gift. It's it's what the Bible calls grace. All we have to do to receive this gift, to be rescued, is to receive the gift in faith and to trust the Lord Jesus. Is that your understanding of what today's about? Because we don't want to get it wrong. Jesus warns us of the awfulness of the judgment to come. He lovingly warns us so that we don't have to face it. I mentioned earlier we're running that course, Christianity Explored, uh, next week. It is a great course to investigate these things further. And I think it will help us make an informed decision about Jesus so that we don't get it wrong. Today is a good day. Good Friday because Jesus... The Lord, the King of all God himself, he went to the cross to die in our place so that we wouldn't have to face God's judgment. All we have to do is receive this wonderful gift and trust in Jesus. Let's get this right from today onwards, that we may celebrate this not just today on Good Friday, but that it would shape us every single day that we would celebrate this wonderful news each and every day. Let's pray. Father, we are so thankful for the warning uh, that Jesus gives us here this morning of the horrific nature of, of judgment to come, And we are so thankful that Jesus, even though he died the most gruelling of deaths, death was not the end for him. As we celebrate every day, but in particular on Sunday, he rose from the dead, raising to new life, eternal life. And when we trust in him, we have that life too. Father, please help us get this right that we may have this life too, that we may celebrate the, the death and resurrection of the Lord Jesus each and every day, not just on a day, not just, on, not just today. Help us do that, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.